comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Hi, my name is Joe Messa. I'm a lawyer and I'm also a big football fan. I'm a 25-year Eagles season ticket holder and there's a new post-game show in town. Welcome to the live post-game show with Derek Gunn, Mark Farzetta, Devin Caney, John McMullen, and the best right tackle in football, Lane Johnson. Welcome into live post game show, everyone on the Jacob Media YouTube channel as well as 6abc.com. I'm Mark Farzetta along with Derek Gunn, Devin Caney. Joining us a little bit later in the show, John McMullen will be joining us from the stadium. And uh, Gunner, I believe we do have another special guest. Who's who's gonna who's, who's that guy? Who, who's the guy? Yeah, keep your fingers crossed. Hopefully, he can remember. I have to remind him like sometimes 15, 20 times. Yeah, he go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. I remember. So I just text him again so mm. brandon graham has said he was going to come on tonight he he's normally been watching the games from home uh since his uh, achilles injury but because tonight was alumni night and the eagles asked him to come out uh he decided to go out to the game tonight so initially earlier today he goes hey man i can't do your show i said why he goes i'll be at the game i said no 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 you don't understand you can do it from your phone <laughs> oh okay <laughs> so See, see, people don't uh, understand what I go through dealing with athletes sometimes. You got to babysit. Um, you got to babysit every once you know, in a while. A, a, lot, a lot of them are really good guys, but some you're right. Some of them you just have to pamper a little bit. And it's like it's like having additional kids sometimes, man. But 
but, I, but, but we appreciate you giving him the nudge, though. Yeah, I, really. The nudge or, or 20. Hey, look, hey, look, look. I, I don't need this. I take enough Maalox as it is on a daily basis. Oh, Why my goodness. Well, with no, all the barbecue you eat and having to watch this team at the same <laughs> no, time, I, no, pass I that Maalox. No, I don't take Maalox. <laughs> I should have uh, to watch in this game, but. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. welcome into the program. Uh, we got a fine post-game program for you, regardless of what happens with our good friend uh, there, uh, Brandon Graham. I was looking for Brandon Graham at the end. Could have used a strip sack. That would have been nice of that Tom Brady yeah, character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I just I want to make sure, because I know Nick Sirianni is a first-time you know head coach, first-time play caller. I know this is Jalen Hurst's first season with the starter's reins in his hands, right, You know and all that. And I know that they're like Devontae Smith's a rookie, and I'm aware of all this stuff. But, like, the Eagles are aware that football is four quarters, right? Like, they don't have to start playing midway through the third quarter, right? They Like, they, they understand that, that there's four quarters in the game. It's not like, you know, the, you, you're playing hockey where there's only three or anything like that, right? Like, they understand that they can start playing better football earlier in a game, which I, I make half a joke about, lighthearted about, just because of this. When you're starting out a game, you are in the midst of your game plan. You are in the midst of your 15 scripted plays. You're in the midst of what you expected the offense to do if you're Jonathan Gannon and what you expected Tom Brady to do. Like, you're in the midst of all of that. The fact that their adjustments were a thousand times better than their game plan is good for the adjustments, horrible for the game plan in terms of what you were expecting this team to do, both defensively and offensively. Let's start it out, though, on the side of the ball that I know a lot of people care a good amount about when it comes to what's going on with this offense in the beginning of this game Gunner, i don't know what you saw Devin, i don't know what you saw but to me i saw a very inaccurate jalen hurts and an atrocious game plan from nick sirianni i, I it's hard to try to evaluate both of them at the same time but obviously there were throws that jalen hurts missed that he should have made then nick sirianni's play calling is mind nubbing based on again and i keep on going back to this nick sirianni does not abandon the run he ignores it. Like, even Andy Reid and Doug Peterson look at his play calling and his offense and go, I think you should run the ball a little bit here. To abandon something, you have to have it. In the you have to be there first. Well, exactly. Yeah, it was never there. Never there. It was never there. And then he ran the ball against, yes, the best run defense. I'm aware of what they do. I don't care if you're facing the, the Steelers' defenses of the 70s, the Ravens' defenses of the early 2000s. I don't care what defense. You still have to run the football to at least bail out in some instances your quarterback who in the first half of this game was completing his passes at an abysmal 35 percent somebody's got to help the other guy out here because Jalen Hurts isn't good enough to bail out Nick Sirianni's atrocious game plan and Nick Sirianni certainly is doing nothing to help his quarterback either so somebody's got to do something to help the other guy even a little bit. That's what jumped out to me that was so frustrating about this game. Great comeback late to try to make it a game fine. But maybe you don't have to have that huge you know, comeback late if you would have, I don't know, had a little bit of a better game plan going into this one. Are you done? Hold on a second. <laughs> uh, are, are, are you done? Hey, no, no, Mark. You got to turn around and just go for one of those bottles of vodka right now. Just, because... just, yeah, man. Like Devin, like Devin said. You don't mean this delicious just, stateside yeah. vodka, do you? Just grab the bottle, <laughs> man, and be done with it because we got a long way to go. And, you know, oh, I want to no. see more, even more candid Mark Farzetta before this night's over. I am. But, I'm so furious, man. I am. I am. Okay. I, 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 I got to be honest. I'm just, I'm so over the top angry about how they played this football. And look, 
you could go to late in this game again and how they came back, and I don't want to discredit that, but how are you this ill-prepared for, for, like, this particular game? Like, do you need more film on Tom Brady? Do you need to know what he's really good? He's good at pretty much everything. Like, he even snuck for a first, uh, first down to end the game. Throughout this game, I just saw a team that was not at all prepared, even on a short week. Oh, my God. Not at all prepared to play this football game. Well, what did you expect? I expected exactly most of what happened in, in this Oof. game. Mm. Tom Brady picked his defense apart. They don't they don't pressure much. You know, you were talking about Jalen Hurts and accuracy, at least on the first drive. They did take a deep shot. I'd been screaming about that on pregame shows earlier tonight uh, and other platforms. You know what? You have to against this Tampa Bay team. Because they are so talented and so deep on both sides of the ball, even though they were depleted in their secondary, three-fourths of their starting secondary was out. Richard Sherman, who they just brought in on September 28th, was starting uh, another game on a short week. So, you know, he's not 100%. Even at 33 years old, he's still not in 100% football shape where he needs to be. I thought you had to go to the pass more than a run in this game. But – and I was so proud of the Eagles when, you know, they went down after getting embarrassed on that first drive by Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay just walked down the field and walked it in the end zone like they were playing a practice squad game. And the Eagles, you know, they could have folded right there, but they rallied. They, they bowed up. They went right back down the field, made a 7-7. And then after that, yeah, Tampa Bay did basically whatever they wanted to do on both sides of the football. Now, Tampa Bay came after Hurts uh, like I thought they would. That kid was running for his life. I, I have to give him a lot of credit for one thing. He could have taken five or six sacks tonight, but his ability to escape and just keep uh, plays alive and either take off and run and made a couple of throws, he missed on a couple of throws. But I have to give him a lot of credit. Um, you know, he this kid was running for his life tonight uh, against a pa- uh, against uh, behind a passed up offensive line against a very formidable defensive front. Even though Tampa Bay didn't have Levante David out there. He was out with an injury. They still have so much talent. You know, I, I knew it was going to get ugly, um, but it was very similar to the Carolina game in terms of how they decided to come back late third into the fourth quarter. And Tampa Bay kind of helped them. I didn't understand why Tampa Bay decided to go for it on the fourth and two. I, I can't believe it either. And give them a short field. It made no sense. I don't know where they bored. Did they just want the game to be more entertaining? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't. Look. I don't know. I don't understand that. You know, but I did. It did almost seem like a Tom Brady is Tom Brady. But from the start of this game, even going into this game, it kind of felt like it was a short week for both teams. And it felt like Tampa Bay was kind of coming in here, treating it like a preseason game. Like, all right, you know, we're going to get in. We're going to get the win. We're going to move on. So I don't even think Tom Brady was on his A game in the fact that they still were up by that much. And yes, we did make it a close game once again at the end, but we Mm -hmm. weren't playing the Panthers this week. So we didn't come out with a win. Mm-hmm. But well, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go right, go right ahead. No, it's all you, Deegan. <laughs> what? No, but it's all no, you, only, buddy. Only thing I was going to add was that, uh, you know, Tom Brady was playing with an injured finger on his throwing hand. So mm-hmm. uh, we don't know how much that affected him. He looked pretty good in the intermediate game all night. He missed on a lot of deep throws, um, you know, some of which he normally would have made, but he missed on a lot of deep throws. For the life of me, I just don't understand why Jonathan Gannon doesn't blitz more. I just don't get it. I don't get why he brings his. He doesn't bring a safety down in the box to support the run. He doesn't bring a safety down in the box to blitz. I, I just don't get it. I understand you want to keep everything in front of you. I get that, but at some point, when you're playing a guy like Brady, you, you're not going to confuse a Brady. Guys like Brady, uh, Aaron Rodgers, 
guys like that, you know, even Patrick Mahomes, you, you're not going to fool these guys. You just have to hope you can force to make uh, force them to make a mistake somehow. How do you force Tom Brady to make a mistake? Get pressure on him. Because, number one, he gets the ball out of his hands quicker than anybody else in the league. And, number two, you know, the man doesn't make mistakes with the football. Now, he gave the Eagles a punt on one play when he threw a deep ball and, you know, Anthony Harris uh, picked it off. Mm. Um, but for the most part, you, it's a psychological warfare when you play a Tom Brady. You know, it, it goes beyond just a chess game because you're not going to out-chest Tom Brady. So it has to be a psychological warfare in terms of you have to get some hits on Brady. The only way you make Brady make a mistake is get some hits on him. Eagles didn't do that. And I wasn't expecting them to do that from what we've seen of a Jonathan Gannon defense. And so lo and behold, you know, Tampa Bay builds this big lead. And I'll go back to what I said a moment ago. It appeared to me that Tampa Bay got bored and decided to let the Eagles come back in the game a little bit. And it turned out to be a, a, a savior face type game for the Eagles. But there's two stats that I had to look at five or six times before I realized that's the exact stat. Number one, Miles Sanders, one carry for one yard in the yeah. first 30 minutes of football. Yeah. And two, the final stats, the Eagles had 213 yards of offense. 213 yards mm. of offense. That's it. And I'm sitting here thinking, Nick, you just came out of a game against a very good Carolina defense. And you were going on short notice against an even better defense. Couldn't you have devised something a little bit better to get your players in position to make plays? You didn't you didn't start running the football until late in the second half. And lo and behold, now obviously Tampa Bay was sitting back in the past, so Miles Sanders really started picking up some yards in a running game. But maybe Miles Sanders could have found a hole somehow, some way against this almost impregnable Tampa Bay defense to, to maybe put momentum back in your favor early in the game, but you didn't even give a man a try. No. You didn't. You abandoned it all together. Mm. So what are you telling the players like a Miles Sanders? Mm. You know, I'm practicing all week just like everybody else. You've seen the tape on me from a year ago. You know what I'm capable of doing, and yet you continue to ignore me? I feel bad for Miles Sanders right now. I really uh, do. As, as do I. But I want to go back to the very first sentence you, you had there, Gunner. What did you expect is the question that you that you posed. And I'm going to go ahead and answer it. I expected the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win this game 33-17. to 17. Like, I didn't expect the Eagles to win this game. I expected right. them to get a little bit more pressure with their front four, even without a blitz on Tom Brady, more right. than what they got, which was next to nothing. But I expected a little bit more. One thing I definitely expected, at least was hoping for, was the idea of seeing Nick Sirianni learn from his previous mistakes of, again, ignoring the running game. And I'm very much aware that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers came into this game allowing 45 rushing yards per game. Right. 45 rushing yards per game. By right. far the best in the NFL. However, let's think about that for a second. Is Todd Bowles yeah. a good defensive coordinator? Certainly. Absolutely. Do they have two pretty good defensive tackles, and Dominican Sue being one of them, in the middle of that defensive line? They yes. certainly do. Yes. But teams against the Buccaneers are throwing the football. One, because of what I just said. It's a good interior and a good defensive coordinator. But the other is because they're playing from behind the entire game because yes. they're one of the highest scoring yes. offenses in the NFL. There's yeah. a reason why coming into this game that the Bucks with a top-rated run defense and the worst-rated passing defense right. is because teams are chucking it against them to try to stay in these games. And they're so, beat up on the back end also. And the, exactly. Yeah. They're beat up on the yeah. back end, which is why they brought in Richard Sherman to begin with, and then he leaves the game right. tonight. 
Right. But you can't do anything to exploit that until much later in the game. And this is the other thing. Not only does he not learn from his mistake of just completely ignoring the run, he goes into halftime. Apparently, Christina Pink, I think, was assigned to the Eagles sideline during the Fox broadcast tonight. And Christina Pink runs up to him. And, Devin, you're, you're aware of these situations. You've been through the, enough of these where you're trying to get something from a head coach and they're trying to just tell you something real quick. They don't have time to lie to you or BS you. They're just trying to shoot mm-hmm. you straight. And what does he do? He says that the first thing they have to do in the second half after running the ball one time with Miles Sanders in the first half is pass more in the second half. <laughs> what the hell? It's like that, that somebody tweeted me the gif from, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Zoolander. I feel like I'm on crazy pills. That's <laughs> We got to get easier throws, easier completions for Jalen Hurts. So pass more. How about run the ball maybe one or two more times with Miles Sanders just so you're not putting all that weight, the weight of the world, on your young quarterback's shoulders. So what did I expect to learn from your mistakes, which apparently they didn't figure out again until the fourth quarter anyway. And it's funny because for someone who is so keen on pandering, I'm going to use the word pandering now for Nick Sirianni because I'm sick of it, to the Philadelphia crowd, you know, wearing these Sixers shirts, wearing these graphic tees, you'd think he'd get a gist. I'm sure people in the stands are yelling, run the ball. It's almost hilarious. Now you go on Twitter, you've got got Darren Sproles saying run the ball. You've got Dan Orlovsky saying run the ball. You've got the commentators on national broadcast saying run the ball more. It's like – crazy that it's the one piece of Philly advice from fans from media that he just seems to ignore and be oblivious to but back to the original statement that opening sentence you know what did what did you expect I don't think many people expected the Eagles to win I had like maybe hope that they would surprise everyone that obviously didn't happen but what I did want to see was that this is a rebuild year. You know, we're learning about these young coaches. We're learning about this new quarterback, young players. And I just wanted to see progress. And I was so frustrated up until the end of the game, same as last week, because I didn't see any progress. It's like, not, it's clearly not working. There's no rhythm. There's no scheme to the offense or defense at this point. And I just don't understand where, what, what Nick Sirianni's plan is. I want to know what his plan is. You know, are you going to go back to the drawing board and maybe work on some things offensively, maybe come up with some new plays, maybe run the ball more. It's just extremely frustrating to watch at this point. I don't know. I don't know if Nick knows what his plan is at this point. He doesn't. I really don't. No, I, I, I really don't. You know, to well, be honest with you. Yeah. He you know. did give us a little, a little insight into what this next week is going to hold for him. Uh, I think I believe it was his during his Wednesday press conference, maybe. He was asked about his self-evaluation, and he says, you know, on a short week, you, you really can't do the self-evaluation because you're worried about getting ready for the next opponent on Thursday night, which is the Bucks. So this time around, now that he's got a longer layoff between games, he said this is where he's really going to focus on his self-evaluation. So I'll ask this question to you guys. I'll ask this question to people in our comment section as well. If you're if you're sitting next to, next to Nick Sirianni, what's the first piece of advice? Like if he's doing that self-evaluation, sit down next to him, help him out a little bit. What would you say to him? What, what would you tell Nick Sirianni right now that he has to do after this Thursday night game going forward? What's the thing he's got to do? My first question to him would be, are you sure you want to do this for a living? Do you have any other skills? Be, yeah, my next question to him would be, I don't know what's in your playbook. You need to tear 50% of it out right now and start retooling mm-hmm. it and start with nothing but running plays. I don't care if it's jet sweeps. I don't care what it is. But you have speed in your backfield. You have a speed back in Miles Sanders. Uh, you have a couple backs that can run between the tackles and gain well and even 
you know, Boston Scott, you know, let us have a moment of silence for Boston, Boston Scott, who doesn't exist <laughs> on his team, basically, except for special. He's teams. on the witness protection program yeah. now. Gunner, real quick, what? I, I, yeah. I want to get the, the rest of this answer, but I believe someone you're in charge of uh, is, is, is going to join the show. And let's not forget so, that this show is brought to you exclusively by Ocean Casino Resort. Uh, make sure you book your next weekend at Ocean Casino and go for the win. I'll let you take this one, Gunner. Who are we talking to here? Oh, my goodness. He actually showed up. How oh, about that? Get your butt up out of here. I'm <laughs> shocked. I'm, so, I'm shocked he showed up. Hey man, uh, first of all, thank you, thank you for com- thank you for coming on the show. And we can keep a picture up. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. First of all, uh, secondly, um, your thoughts on the way the defense played tonight? Because if you look at if you look at social media, people people are just ripping up Jonathan Gannon and the way the defense played tonight. Hold on, say that again. I just got in the car. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! I told you, I told you it's like babysitting. I told yeah, you, right, said, right, right, right. Here's what I said. I said, first of all, your general impressions of the way the defense play, because people on social media are just ripping up the way the defense play, and Jonathan again is uh, play calling for the defensive scheme. Well, you know what? I feel like I feel like we. But I think that. Um... I think that um uh, well we got that about <laughs> okay uh, cliffhanger hey. in the car. we need to know there we go hey, hey brandy you keep breaking up what in the world are you doing <laughs> i think tom brady's stealing his cell phone to get back at him i think that's mm-hmm. what's happening i think tom brady's stealing his cell phone <laughs> to get back to him for the super bowl well i told you you know it's not easy I, I told you, I, hey, look, all I can do is ask. Uh-huh. You know, the, the good book says, ask and ye shall receive. Mm. You know what? I, he, I he was he was just so overwhelmed probably with how bad the defense has been playing that he he was like, oh, I can't hear you. I'm out. Oh, oh. He's back. oh <laughs> there we go. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, I hear y'all now. I hear y'all talking that stuff. But no, I think that um, I think that the defense uh, got better as the game went. I think that um, you know we in the end when we needed to make a stop, that penalty uh, with Janara hurt us, and then we just uh, I feel like Rodney stumbled where, and if he wouldn't have stumbled, they would have made that stop on the one to Antonio Brown. That was just that was a good catch, great catch, uh, great concentration. Uh, but I felt like the Eagles' defense got better as the game went on. It just sucked that we couldn't, um, you know, capitalize on, um, you know, on, on offense because how we went down the first drive, um, you know, I thought it was going to be back and forth. All we needed was a stop, and we ended up getting two stops in a row, but we just couldn't, you know, take advantage of those opportunities. And, uh, you know, against Brady, you got to make sure you take full advantage of everything that he gives you. Mm-hmm. Hey, two two questions and one real quick. Number one. This was alumni night. Uh, was this your first game since uh, you had your surgery for the Achilles injury? And number two, I know you had told me a while back also that you have been spending a lot of time coaching up both uh, Josh Sweat and uh, Derek Barnett. Uh, so was this your first game back on the sidelines since the injury? And how much have you been trying to help these guys better visualize what they're seeing across the line of scrimmage? Oh, I try to help them as, as much as I can, especially Josh. Um because I told him he got a motor. And so, you know, make sure that you're using it because uh, that's how you're going to make your plays. And I think that, uh, you know, with Fletch, 
I know Fletch just missing me out there because Fletch always said every time. But uh, I told him, like, you got to get these boys up to speed. You got to make sure that you uh, make them believe, make them feel like you trust them, too, just as much as you trust mm-hmm. me because that matters, too. Because in moments when you need it, uh, if I know the next man next to me is counting on me and he and he trusts me, uh, it, it does something to me. And I think that uh, mm-hmm. with these guys being young, they, they need that confidence and that belief uh, in themselves first. And then, you know, belief in their team. The, the teammates need to believe in them, too, that they can get it done. And so I think uh, with Fletch being in that uh, that position of where I would be uh, if I was out there, uh, I think he just continue, continuously needs to step up in that area to make sure that uh, these boys um, know that, you know, that he believed that they got it, they got his back, and he got theirs too. And I think um, everything is gonna keep getting better because these guys they roll chains uh, with me going down. A lot of guys are a- asked to do more, and so I try to make sure I be there. Even now I'm about to go home. I probably watch some film, see what happens, see what where we can get a little better, and, and talk to some of the guys that want to be that want to be want to be uh they want to listen I would say, and um, I think we got a bunch of good guys that want to get better and look better on film so um, i'm gonna make sure i do my part as a leader and try to make sure i help them uh the best way i can from the side yep uh brandon one of the things i, I thought I thought was interesting from this week was your defensive coordinator jonathan gannon said i don't have a scheme and then he kind of backtracked and said well of course i have a scheme what do you think is the overall philosophy he has as a defensive coordinator so far um i think that uh he he, he pretty much wants to switch it up and um you know try to confuse the D I mean confuse the offense um on on presenting different looks um I feel like some of the stuff that he wants to do he just has, doesn't have the personnel for it um some of the stuff but I think he's doing a great job of adjusting of what we have uh on defense and who's available to do and who and who does what better in in different uh situations so I think uh he does a good job of of you know really trying to um adapt to what he has and I feel like as we keep going as he keep being the coordinator he'll continue to keep getting the players to do everything that he wants to do because I'm sure you know with us um we used to run the Oki front and I started getting real good at it and you know he was trusting me to do uh certain jobs and so he could run certain things but now I'm out and now it's guys that have to learn on the fly that didn't really get to get those reps in training camp because I was in there for the most part and now when the season mm-hmm. come I get hurt now a lot of guys are are um are asked to step up and and step into this role but as coach no coach you got to rep it and and I feel like coach Gannon uh kind of shot away from some of the stuff that uh, he used to call when I was in there because uh, you need guys that you can trust that can get certain jobs done. Uh, and so I think um, I love his scheme. I love what he's doing. I I believe that every week is, is something different, and, and he's keep getting better as, as the game goes, and the adjustments uh, from what I see is getting better. Um, but, yeah, penalties is, is hurting us, self-inflicting stuff. Like that penalty uh, with Jannard, that, that, yep. that was tough because we just had got to yeah. stop. And man, you get a personal foul in that situation, you, you we can't have it. Um, and we all know, we all know, it was more to it than just that play. But that mm-hmm. play would have helped us uh, if if we would have been able to get a stop. Who knows? We might be talking about a win after this, 29, 28, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. the score would have been. Mm-hmm. But I believe if we got that ball back, we probably would have um, gotten that zone. But mm-hmm. uh, it is what it is. We we fought hard but we just came up short in the end. 
As someone who you said like coaches up these younger players, what do you say after these penalties? I know today wasn't as bad as some games have been in the past, but is it super frustrating for you to watch and not being able to be out there with them? Oh, yeah. I'll be in there cussing myself out almost because I'm mad because certain situations, you see certain guys, you like, man, I wish I could be down there and say certain things to certain guys because I know how certain guys tick and I can tell when certain guys frustrated because I've been with these boys. I mean, I know when Fletch frustrated because I can see him yelling at somebody. <laughs> and it's, just, it's, just, it's just cool to, it's just cool to um, look at it from a different perspective from the sideline. And now I, when I am back on that field and knowing, um, you know, what I know now, being up in the coach's box, hearing some of the coaches, it really made me respect the coaches even more to know that these boys know what they be talking about because certain calls that they making, they making good calls, but obviously they're not playing the game uh, in certain situations, but, but people got to make plays. And sometimes it, it happens. Sometimes it don't. Maybe it might be a misread by Jalen. Maybe it might be a missed tackle, but the guy was in position uh, on defense. It's always something um, and you know that you can't control, but I think that we got a number one, we got a good staff of coaches that knows what they're talking about, and all we got to do is just is just go out there and play and, and believe in the, in the scheme of, of whatever we whatever we're doing and, and keep working your technique because that's what tend to catch up to you. Uh, your technique, uh, technique, uh, errors that happen in the game that's when you get those penalties when people grabbing and you know how I go holding and all kind of different things and sometimes people tired uh, and that's mm-hmm. stuff that you can control and I feel like um, you just got to keep getting better you know Brandon I know you are probably as positive as anybody I've been around in, in terms of professional sports but you do realize right now through six games you're going to have a hard time convincing people on the outside looking in that you have a good coaching staff the way some things have, have played out through six games. Right. I get that. But but people don't – I wish I wish we all could, you know, be coached for the day. I wish I could just yeah. say, you know what, yeah. you the head coach right now. Tell me what you would do. Call a game and, and call it. I mean, certain stuff that you have planned don't always go as planned. And so sometimes you go away from the game plan and you call different calls just to switch it up or whatever it is that coaches be going through sometimes. And then as players, uh, certain guys that you've seen on film, they they look like uh, one guy, and then you're playing against him that day, and he might not look like how he looked. And certain things that he won against, that one that was that people was winning against him, might not work that game. So you got to adjust yeah. as you keep going. And I think, um, yeah, it's tough because you got to win in order to cover up some of the issues and us losing people want people heads fast in this city. So, I mean, yeah. I already know yeah. they, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's going to yeah. be hard, but, but what the, what I love the most is, is no expectations. Uh, now nah. everybody is like, whatever, whatever this team going to do, that's what they going to do. Ah, oh, they suck. Whatever they saying, it don't matter. Uh, because it's about us at the end of the day in that room. And only people that's going to change that taste, um, and you know, I know all about it because people yep. ain't like me in the yep. beginning. Get him out of here. He sucked. Yep. We should have got Earl Thomas. We should have got Jason Pierre Paul. 
But all I did was continue to keep working and block y'all out. Like, because y'all be talking yeah, all that stuff. People yeah, play that's, nothing. That's what I said. Get, get, him out of, get him out of here. Where's Earl Thomas? Where's JPP? I didn't, I didn't even like you back then. <laughs> you did. You <laughs> but you know what? It, it's all good because really it's how you flip it. It's how your, it's your attitude moving forward. It is what it is. Like people gonna say what they want. You ain't gonna be able to please everybody. So, mm. all right, whatever. Now, now you don't got no expectations of me. So when I do make plays, it's one of those things where you like, oh, I got a clap for him. He did make a play to help us win the game. Oh, he doing this. Oh, this he all right. Oh, he's starting to be all right. You know, he's starting to come into his own. But I feel like it's up to you to make that decision every day and to block out the noise and just say, I know I'm good. That's where your confidence start to come in. That's when you start relying on your teammates a little more because now it's only y'all that's going through it because everybody going to say what they want to say, but we the ones that's going through it every day, putting that work in. And only only way we're going to get better is having all what 56 of us that's on that team, 62 of us, uh, even the practice squad guys, we need everybody to give us a good look. We need you to play your part, whatever your role is on this team, maximize it because it could be you could get more one day, but you got to maximize the role that's, that you've uh, been given in order to get more, I feel. And I think you got to be happy for people in order to get more. You got to be able to just go out there and just and just play because we got the number one job I feel in America and it should be fun. It should be, you know, trying at times, but that's what make you better. And I think, uh, as you know, man, this team going to turn it around. I'm telling you, yeah. you see, you see, you see how we hung in there with them boys today. You know, all the mistakes we done made, we, we was one play away from almost making it happen, but we didn't make it happen. We came up short. It was an ugly loss, whatever you want to call it, whatever people saying, but um, I'm telling you, we got the right coach for the job, and he's going to get it right. Uh, Brandon, just real quick, if, if I was calling plays, I'd at least call a couple more running plays, at least to give you guys a break on defense. Brandon's laughing, he knows. Let me tell you this. Yeah, week ahead. one, what you say? Week one, what y'all see? Y'all see the old line, saw, fresh, everybody, yeah, Lane, yeah. all them boys, all them boys, you know what I'm saying? Now, you got some you got some guys in there that, that they trying to get that chemistry with. Um, and so when Brooks and Lane get back, and you will see a lot more running, I feel. But I, I think okay. that uh, they got a, they got some issues. Uh, we got some issues that we got to address up front. You know, and I think they plan okay for what they've been asked to do. But uh, as you know, um, the running game, you, you want your hogs in there. You want your Brooks. You want your Lane. You want – you want your starting line that you had because them boys is is good and I don't know how much sometimes you don't know how much faith and how much trust that you know has been built with certain guys that's in right now and I think it's only gonna get better as they keep getting better uh, every week but you know I think that coach definitely is 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 hard to call running plays sometimes when. You don't have that chemistry with certain. You got to get build that chemistry together with uh with the guys that's in there that's being asked to do something that you know they didn't expect uh to happen so fast. I guess that's what I can say. Uh, last one for me, anyway. BG, uh, any interaction with Tom Brady tonight? You having to see him at all? <laughs> I couldn't see him. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't see him. Man. I was in. I was up in the coach's box. I was up in the coach's box, man. I couldn't get on the field, but you know. When I do get a chance uh, to talk to Brady, it'll probably be off the field somewhere up in Michigan. 
Um, you know, and I'm, I'm asking to sign that ball. If he can't, I don't want to send it to him. Because gotcha. I don't think he's going to send it back. <laughs> oh, my hey, Devin, you got anything for him? Uh, no, I'm good. Thanks, okay. Brandon, for, for joining us. All right, real quick, Brandon. Yeah. Number one, you, you cannot say wrong again, D-Gun, because I did pick Tampa Bay to win this game tonight. <laughs> so you can't say wrong again. You can't do that. And number two, please tell me your wife, Carlin, is not with you right now. No, no, I, I got my family in here. Say, hey. Hey, what's up? Wait. <laughs> Wait, is she is she there? No, nah, she's not here. She uh she had we couldn't get a babysitter for the kids, and this was kind of last minute because I I wasn't gonna come because we had family in town, and yeah. so I'm um uh, I'm I'm over here, you know what, showing them a good time, and and I'm glad we did come to the game, even though we lost. It was definitely a good good experience, good good time. Yep. I had a lot of fun yelling. And man, D Gun, you know you're gonna be wrong because we gonna we going to them playoffs this year, and you're gonna be like, oh, I didn't what? see this. Coming. Oh, you what? know, what? <laughs> you heard it from me first, big man. Okay. We gonna be in the wild right. car. We gonna get out there and get it. Okay, hey, hey, number two, when you get home, tell Carla I'm so glad she was not in the car with you because every time she's with you, she's yelling at me for holding you up. So I'm glad. <laughs> That she is not in there tonight. So please tell her I said that. Hey, well, you know, she probably wouldn't have did that tonight because we sit here and wait on the cars to go back because it is packed right now. You know how it is at the game. You ain't moving nowhere anyway. So, but uh, D Gun, send that, send that check in the mail, man. This ain't for free. You know this. Man. Yeah, this yeah. Since you talking all that stuff, this ain't free, man. This this costs you money right here. Hold up, hold up. If you want to get paid. Your request should go to Jacob Media Sports Network. No, you on your own now. You out here on your own now. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate you. I appreciate y'all. Thank y'all. Always. Appreciate you. BG, nothing but quick healing, my friend. Quick healing. Uh, thank you, Brandon Graham, for coming on. That's uh, pretty awesome right there. Gunner, thanks for booking your friend there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, with friends like that, you don't need enemies, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, obviously, that uh, we are brought to you by the great people of Stateside Vodka. See the scroll below. Use promo code Jacob. That's promo code Jacob, J-A-K-I-B, for 15% off a one-liter bottle. Go to statesidevodka.com. We'll unpack all that Brandon, Brandon Graham gave us. There was a lot there when we return here on the live postgame show. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. On the field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
when it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. The live post-game show is powered by IBEW Local 98. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Welcome back. Live post-game show. Mark Farzetta, Devin Caney, Derek Gunn. Brandon Graham just joined the show. Let's just jump right back to that interview for a second. Like I said, a lot to unpack. One, don't tell Brandon Graham about any rebuild, right? Don't tell him about any retooling, rebuild, or anything like that. They're going to the playoffs this year, Gunner. Yeah, okay. Uh, keep talking. <laughs> and then the other thing, <laughs> moving right past that. Um, keep talking, yeah. Okay. Jonathan Gannon doesn't have the personnel. Um, I agree. And I think. Oh, I, Graham, I wholeheartedly agree. I'm just uh, shocked he said it. Yes. Um, I, 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 I believe Brandon said it as eloquently as he possibly could without throwing teammates under the bus. There is an unwritten rule in sports is you don't trash a teammate no matter how bad a situation is. But, but Brandon, being a 33-year-old vet, he has the leeway to say a little bit more than some, some players might, you know. And, you know, I know exactly what he's saying, you know. And it's tough on Jan- Jonathan Gannon because he talks about he doesn't have, you know, he doesn't play dime for a reason. Translation, I don't have the personnel to play a dime defense the way I want to play a dime defense. He doesn't have the linebackers to maybe do some of the things he wants to do. Um, his, his, even his defensive line, except for Javon Hargrave has struggled all season. You got one guy playing on the edge in Derek Barnett. You don't know when he's going to make the next penalty. You got another guy, Josh Sweat, who has a capability of being a double digit sack defensive end, but some games he shows up, some games he doesn't. Fletcher Cox has been stagnant for the most part this season. Um, Hassan Ridgeway makes a play every now and then. But outside of Javon Hargrave, you don't have players consistently making plays, i.e., look at a Tampa Bay defense. You have two D tackles in Indomitian Sue and in Vita Vita who are going to collapse a, a line of scrimmage almost every down or stonewall the guys that are blocking across from them, which frees up guys behind them to make plays. You have linebackers who can make plays, and when their secondary is healthy, you have a secondary that makes plays. And they are a fast defense. They are a defense that swarms to the ball. They are a defense that create turnovers. The Eagles don't have that kind of personnel yet, and we didn't expect them to. Number one, they were cap-strapped because of the situation with Carson Wentz, so they couldn't go out and buy a lot of players. 
that they wanted to. Um, and number two, we knew that they were committed to a youth movement. So with a youth movement comes growing pains. And that's what we're watching right now. Mark, to hear you rant and rave off the top of the show tonight is the epitome of how the fan base in Philadelphia feels, and rightfully so. But throughout the spring and this summer, all you heard on social media was, well, we know this is not going to be a great year. We're going to have to be patient. But patience has already worn thin through six games. Because even if you lose, again, I can't say this enough. I said it on our first show, and I know I'm going to say it throughout the course of this season. If you are losing yet showing consistent progress, that can be tolerated. But when you take two steps forward and two steps back and you keep making the same mistakes, it's mm -hmm. irritating and frustrating. And mm -hmm. so that's what we, we have been watching through six games. We start to see them maybe turn a corner in some areas, and then all of a sudden it implodes and they resort back to things that they were doing back in week two and week three. At this point, certain things should be eliminated. And I understand, and, and, and injuries are a big factor here. Yes, it is. The continuity of the offensive line is a big factor in determining how an offense flows. You don't have that. You just heard Brandon say, you got guys up, stuff, uh, up front still trying to get used to each other, still trying to find some continuity and chemistry with each other. That's going to take some time. And, and sometimes it's more than two or three games, especially when the preseason was shortened. Your frontline players don't play that much, and now some of your frontline players aren't even there. And you're asking a second-round guy you drafted this year to come in, and he played one side, now he's flipped over to the other side. Andre Dillard, who was a forgotten man, is now the anchor on your left side. Well, Oh, by the way, your, your normal left tackle, who you just gave a $40 million contract, you've asked him to flip to the right side now, and you've inserted another guy at the right guard position. So that takes more than just practice reps in one or two games. It may take four or five games if this line stays intact the way it is right now. It may take them another two to three, four games to find that cohesiveness and chemistry. But the growing pains hurt because Philadelphia at least wants you to stand up and represent their city well. And right now they feel that's not happening. Mm -hmm. Well, well said, my friend. <laughs> Well, I think what what is kind of a head scratcher to me for the defense is a solution, right? Like offense, even Brian Graham said it, it's frustrating that they can't capitalize on these moments and opportunities right. that they have, yep. but they have the talent, I think, to be successful. And yes, injuries have definitely hurt the offensive line. But when it comes to defense, to me, I almost feel for Jonathan Gannon with where the way Brandon Graham put it, where he doesn't have the personnel, because what is the solution? And I'm talking immediate, like yep. like this season, what is the solution? Because I'm so sick of week in and week in, and week in and week out seeing the running backs of the opposing team slice through our defense like butter. And there, it, the only solution is to bring in new talent, and we can't do that. So, yep. I mean, I'm curious to get both of your thoughts on that because I'm at a loss, truly. Well, I, I, don't, I don't think we're going to see all of a sudden some epiphany in the Eagles front office or with Jeffrey Lurie, Howie Roseman, whoever it no, may yeah. be. And just all of a sudden say, oh, you know what? Linebackers, great idea. We should get those. I, I kind of put out in 20 years. So, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> uh, I Watching linebackers like Alex Singleton, who I admire his work ethic, uh, watching guys like Deve Devion Taylor actually get a start tonight. Good for him. Watching them come along. I'm rooting for those guys. But this team just needs to stop ignoring that position. I mean, mm -hmm. you can't continuously see – your linebackers not getting in the backfield, and that also is on the defensive coordinator and any type of blitz ever. 
You also can't see these guys come up and make a play or a stop at the line of scrimmage, certainly not in a goal line situation. They're always reliant way too much, if you ask me, on the defensive line. And that's good to rely on them time to time, but not every single play and base your entire defense around it. Mm -hmm. And that goes back, like you said, Devin, 20 years. But at some point, you have to have a moment where you go, we got to be better than this. And Mm -hmm. watching Nigel Bradham, watching even Michael Kendricks, that was like a low level to look at a linebacker and go, okay, this is the base right here. At least have guys this good or bad, however you want to look at it. But that's the bottom line, right? That's as bad, bad as you can be. Dropping below that, you see what a guy like Leonard Fournette can do against an off a defense like that. Running through the tackles a lot of times, or even running and catching the ball on the outside and having guys bounce off him that way. Like I almost thought you had to check his uniform for Pam, like back in the old <laughs> days, you spray that on you. But like that's how bad it was. And then the, the other side of it, I don't know. This team just doesn't want to run the football. And I even mm-hmm. tweeted it out during the show today. I'll try to pull it up or during the game today. And I'll try to pull it up for you. But I was reminded of an article, and I'm constantly reminded of this. Whenever I think about how often this team ignores, again, to use that word, ignores the run. Not abandon, right. but ignore the run. Right, right. Zach Berman, Bo Wolf, Shilkapati wrote a great piece for uh, uh, The Athletic. And it came out in April, a little bit before the NFL draft of this year. And it detailed meetings between Doug Peterson and Jeffrey Lurie where he, he, he was questioned. Doug Peterson was questioned about his game plan in a game they won against the Packers in Green Bay in 2019 on Thursday night. And they won that game with the running game, not the passing yeah. game, but the running game. And Lurie apparently was just peppering Peterson with questions about why you would run the ball that much. So when I look at Nick Sirianni, what do I see? I see a first-year head coach who, let's face it, is happy to have this job and good on him. He should be happy he has this job. But he is, at times, going to be a big yes man to the bosses because he's never held this position before. He's got no pull, no rank, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Lurie says at some points, jump. A guy like Nick Sirianni is going to say, how high? And I'm sure that, that went into a lot of why he got the job here in Philadelphia. Howie Roseman, the same thing. They don't want to run the football. They want to pass, 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 which is why you're seeing a guy with, again, no background, like even Doug Peterson at least played in the league. He had some Mm -hmm. background here. You have a guy like Nick Sirianni that is doing what the owner wants him to do as far as the game plan goes. That's why you have never, even through Reed or Peterson, never seen as pass-happy an offense like we're seeing right now. Hey, Mark, do you have an IV uh, handy? (laughs) Uh, Because I'm going to read you something. To this? To the the state side vodka? (laughs) Yeah, I, I'm going to read you something right now that should send your blood pressure through the roof. Oh, boy. Okay. All, right. Let, all right, let's go. Here we go. go so Chris Franklin, who covers the Eagles for NJ.com, yeah. uh, they're at the press conference, and uh, Jordan Malata was speaking. And Jordan Malata said, quote, it felt like the Bucks knew what we were going to do early on, and the team didn't adapt fast enough and didn't execute the changes. Why oh, do you hate yeah. me? Are you trying to kill me? <laughs> No, I just want to see you, uh, you know, have maybe go into convulsions for about five seconds, then come out of it and get back this, to it. This really isn't that difficult. And look, for all the people that are always banging the drum about run-to-pass ratio, right. I ain't one of those people. But if you are going to solely put the responsibility of how the offense performs on your inaccurate quarterback's passing ability, guess what? That ain't going to work out for you. If you want to bail them out every once in a while and hand the football to a running back that's pretty damn good like Miles Sanders, then maybe you should do that. Any 10-year-old who's played Madden knows that. Like, I don't know how this is so difficult for a guy who's been an offensive coach in the NFL for, what, a decade and a half? How is it? 
beyond easy to figure this out. Now you have one of your offensive linemen. By the way, what, $64 million guy, Jordan Mailata? You have him saying this already? Hey, uh, John Clark from NBC Sports Philadelphia also quoted Mailata. Uh, Mailata also said, Eagles need to adapt quicker to what the defense is doing to them. Uh, John also added this from Sirianni. Uh, get to adjustments even quicker. Uh, Nick Sirianni says, Eagles need to get off to a quicker start. They got off to a quick start tonight. We were bad in the first half. I put that on myself. How many times have we heard Nick Sirianni say that this season, that we were bad in a half, I put that on myself? How many times have we heard that? Every, I think every, I mean, what now there are what, four losses on the season. So every yeah. four times, at least four times. That's, that's when, that's when we've heard that. But uh, normally even, I, I like that accountability. I don't like it anymore because he's clearly not, he's taking accountability. I feel like he's just saying it like he's a yes man. He's saying what people want to hear. And then he's not making the adjustments right, or changes. Right. I don't believe you. That's what I'll say. I don't believe you. If Nick Sirianni is telling you that, I, I don't believe you. Guess what? How about that? I don't believe what you're telling me. I, I believe that you, yes, you got to be better. We could all be better at everything that we do. We could all be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But I don't I, believe him and that he's saying that, oh, well, I got to learn from this. I got to do better. Well, <laughs> this isn't the first time that you've handed the ball to a running back less than three times in a first half of football. Can we go back to something else Brandon Graham said where he blamed that he blamed the lack of the run game on the O-line being injured. Uh, uh, Do we think that's a big cause of of the uh, lack of run? Absolutely. Absolutely. When that that offensive line is intact, if you have your three pro bowlers intact on the right side of that offensive line, Brandon, Brandon Brooks is arguably the best right guard in the game when he's healthy. Lane Johnson is one of the best right tackles in the game when he's healthy. Jason Kelsey has been a pro bowl center for a few years now. So when you have the three horsemen side by side, it's a completely different push off the offensive line. It's a completely different game, especially when you, when you run to the right side of the field. So yes, it, it would be a much different game now. Not saying Sirianni would run the ball that much more. Maybe you'd run it five times and a half instead of two. <laughs> but when a coach gets to the podium and says, it's on me for the way we played, immediately the first thing I'm thinking is, okay, we're going to see something different the next time. No, we haven't. <laughs> no, we have not. And I talk, I t- you know what? I thought the two, the two most humorous moments in this game for me was when he finally ran the ball in the third quarter and the crowd let out a roar. Like, like I thought they had scored a touchdown or something. Yeah. And then secondly, later in the game, when 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 Hertz uh, went to a bubble screen to Quez and he got dropped for a two-yard loss, you see Jason Kelsey walking back to the huddle and he does like this and shakes his head. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, how much worse can it get? You know, but yeah, they still I mean, but yeah, they still fought tooth and nail. They didn't embarrass themselves. You know, they come out, everybody except anybody in the locker room expected them to lose the game. On the betting lines, 90% of the money was bet on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and rightfully mm. so. But this team rallied the same face somewhat on national TV. So I'm going to give them that while Mark goes into convulsions. Yeah, I did it. Yeah. All right, I'm just going to say that, and we got to hit a break soon, but I just want to say this. All right, so Trey Thomas got into the Hall of Fame. Our guest last week got into the Eagles Ring of Honor right. tonight, which and right. him and John run in both, right? Right. Trey is one of the few people I have talked to, few offensive linemen I have talked to that rather pass right. block 
than run block. The yes. vast majority of offensive linemen want to run block. And why is that? Because it's thud and done. They don't got to hold the block. They don't got to worry about protecting the quarterback. All they got to do is hit a guy, a run running back, hopefully if it's executed well, runs past him. Exactly. exactly. So then why wouldn't I run the ball more with less experienced uh, offensive linemen? Are you asking me or telling me? <laughs> <laughs> a is that a rhetorical question? Or... <laughs> but that's another thing. Not only is your quarterback completing, again, I'll go back to it, 35% in, 35% of his passes. That's how the completion percentage is 35% in the first half. A lot of that's on Nick Sirianni and horrible play calling. A lot of that's on Jalen Hurts, too. So I'm ripping two people with one stone here. But if you want to get it's, the offense in a rhythm and build chemistry, I just run, run the ball a couple of times. Run the ball. Even if you get a yard in a cloud of dust, run the ball because basically – your offensive line was no match for Tampa Bay's front seven. It's that simple. And you should have been able to see that on film. If you're honest with yourself, as you as you analyze and break down your offensive lineman from tackle to tackle as we know it right now, you should automatically know your strengths and your weaknesses right now. And pass blocking is not one of the greatest strengths right now. Jalen Hurst survived on the strength of Jalen Hurst's athleticism in this game. This man was running for his dear life, mm -hmm. and that's all you can say about it. The fact that wide receivers a lot of times weren't getting open forced him to hold the ball long, longer, forced him to throw the ball out of bounds because of the scheme that Todd Bowles liked to play. He likes to play that Tampa 2 defense where they sit those two safety backs and they drop those linebackers in the coverage, and they believe whoever they send after a quarterback will get the job done. And lo and behold, nine times out of ten, they'll do that. Even if they don't sack them, they put pressure on the quarterback they have a quarterback's head on the swivel, especially if he gets hit a couple of times early, or they force a quarterback off his mark. It's, uh, his market upsets the timing and the rhythm of, of an offense, and that's exactly what we got in this game. So, you know, if you're going to really, uh, you know, analyze yourself as a head coach and a coaching staff offensively, and, and you're going to take this extended time to sit back and and really analyze what you what you're doing and what you're not doing right, you have to realize and come to the realization that you're going to have to pick and choose your poison a little bit better than what we've seen for the most part this season. Absolutely. Uh, all right, when we come back, I want to get into this a little bit. There's one thing that happened in tonight's game that I thought was just fantastic, and it was great to see it, and we should just throw a parade for this one thing actually happening. So we'll get to that in just a second, but I do want to remind people that we are uh, brought to you by exclusively by the great people of Ocean Casino Resort. Book your next weekend at Ocean Casino and go for the win. More live post-game show when we return. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight cares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The live post-game show is powered by IBEW Local 98. Welcome back, live post game show. Mark Farzetta, Derek Gunn, Devin Caney, John McMullen joining us from the stadium in just a second. Just so everyone knows, the parade will uh, finish once again at the Art Museum steps for the fact that the Eagles actually executed sort of a rub route uh, on a touchdown. And now it didn't get pulled off the board, so that was fun too. The Zach Ertz touchdown, Devontae Smith actually took his defensive back that was on him and ran him right back towards the line of scrimmage. Let's all get excited. No? All right. Anyway. You need. Yeah, you that's need, a hard no from Degun. No, uh, you, no, you, hard no. Mark, you need evaluation after tonight, man. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> letting you know. Oh man, I, check. I, I, have, I have people. I have people who are willing to check you in after this show is over, and just uh, uh, you know evaluate you for the next oh, 18 to 24 hours. The make you, you know crazy, what, Mark? Man. Though I did, and, and and I think he's coming up here in a bit. I did see John McMullen tweeted about that, so Ooh. you guys can have your parade right. together. There we let, go. Let, let, oh. me tell you something, let me tell you something real quick, man. Social media, as much as I despise social media for a lot of reasons, it is downright humorous tonight about the way people are ripping into Nick Sirianni, <laughs> Jeffrey Lurie about Jeffrey Lurie should sell the team to a knowledgeable owner and go make movies <laughs> and go make movies somewhere because the NFL's over his head. I think, okay, you know, I understand you people are bitter, but could you be a little bit kinder, a mm. kinder, gentler version of yourself mm. sometimes? Man, these people are brutal. Philly fans, yeah, I don't, but oh. I love it because it feels like we're all just miserable together. You know, mis- misery, loves, <laughs> misery company. loves company. So then I go on Twitter during a game like that, and I'm like, ah, you guys are all miserable too. I feel better. Well, we're going to bring in a ray of sunshine, as he always is right oh, now. Yes. His name is John McMullen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, he is presented by the wonderful people. He joined us last week, uh, Joe Messa, matter of fact. Uh, Messa Law and Associates need a tough injury lawyer. Call Messa and Associates. John McMullen, what's happening, my friend? Hey, what's up? I, You know, I feel <laughs> you guys always say I'm negative. I feel after losses, I'm less negative than everybody else. I never after said you were wins, negative. Never. I'm more negative. So... I think it evens out. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, John, uh, overall message after this game was what from the Eagles uh, press conferences and locker room? You know, it's a good question. I I try to figure out, I look at this final score, 28-22, and I'm like, how the heck is this 28-22? Cause this, and that's what, I mean, I will give this team credit for, for perseverance and, and Carolina as well. They played awful in Carolina. They hung in. They hung in. They hung in. They find found a way to make uh, to make a few plays and won the game. They did the same thing here, uh, but they weren't able to win the game. It should it felt like a blowout. It was a blowout at one point, twenty eight seven. And obviously, if Tampa Bay wanted to punch it in at the end, they probably could have. And they shouldn't have gone for the fourth down. They should have punted it. The game probably would have been over there. Um, 
but you look up at the scoreboard and say, wow, you know, if they get one stop, they had a chance to win this game, and I have no idea. <laughs> so that's the positive part. The negative part is everything else. I mean, I, I from an individual standpoint, I, I don't know how you look at anybody in this game and said, oh, this guy played well. I heard you, Mark, talking about you're right. They ran a rubber out uh perfectly uh from Devonte smith other than zach Ertz, who obviously had the touchdown you know obviously he's the best route runner on this team uh but Devonte's the only receiver who could evidently run a rub route correctly and he's a rookie <laughs> uh jalen rager uh, he's become tory smith the only thing he gives you is pass interferences down the field oh, oh. at one point at one point Wow. Jalen Rager had 95 yards and pass interference penalties. He didn't have a catch. He had two drops. And he had more yardage on pass interference than the offense had at when he got that second one. He was wow. slightly ahead of the offense to, uh, of total. And then here's my favorite stat. I got to pull it up. Defensively, defensively, the Eagles had 78 tackles. In the game, Tampa Bay had 37 <laughs> because they were on the field for two thirds uh, of the game. And somehow it's, I look up and it's 28 22. So I don't know. They're plucky. I give them that. They're a plucky team. They had no, they were not in this game. They, you know, Nick Sirianni was obviously disappointed. I asked them flat out and I was stunned. Uh, that he that he said yes. I said, is too much of this offense unscripted? Do you need something more foundational to this offense? He admitted, yeah. I mean, too much of it. Because if you think about it, wow. It, when you have unscripted plays, they're great, but you can't count on them. From forget about week to week, quarter to quarter, drive mm -hmm. to drive. You can't count on them. You have to be able to do certain things in an NFL offense to win consistently. And the Eagles can't do that right now. I can't even get to the defense because the <laughs> offense is just so, so bad. Hey, 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 John, I thought it was a telling tale when uh, Malata said in his press conference that it seemed like Tampa Bay knew what we were doing and we waited too long to adjust to it. Well, isn't that what football is? Uh, points, counterpoints. And for some reason is, uh, Offensive play caller, oh, by the way, who's also, who's also your head coach, continues to wait just a little bit too long to counter what a defense is throwing at him? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with that sentiment. But, but I've said this to me is like a big, giant philo philosophical discussion because I think you have, you have a head coach who's trying to win games, obviously, and he's trying to um, mask the deficiencies of a young quarterback uh, you can go back to Nick Sirianni and Frank Reich with Quillip Rivers in Indianapolis. They didn't run this offense. Mm. Everything is is bubble screen, swing pass, screen, 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 right. and another screen. And it, and it gets kind of ugly, RPO-driven. We've talked about that. They don't run the football. Um, they finally had a little bit of success, a little bit of success later in the game. It's very college-oriented. And, and I heard you guys, I heard you, Derek, saying about people on social media saying Jeffrey Lurie had, should sell his team and blah, blah, blah. 
I mean, Jeffrey Lurie's been a very successful owner. People Absolutely. forget what the Eagles were before he owned them. Um, but he doesn't want this offense. He doesn't. He doesn't. So people can have that discussion whether whether Jalen Hurts is an NFL quarterback. Guess what? He's already proven he's an NFL quarterback. He's certainly one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the world. But does this team, does this organization, does this owner who went into Doug Peterson's, you know, after upsetting Green Bay on the road and said, hey, why are we not, why are we not passing the football more to beat Green Bay, who we shouldn't beat? Um, he does not want this offense. Bottom line. So well, you're at loggerheads at that point. Either Jalen Hurts develops to where he can sit in the pocket and throw the football consistently down the field, or you got to look for another quarterback. Simple as that. John, that was going to be uh, my question for you because I saw you said that Jeffrey Lurie doesn't want this type of offense. Obviously, Jalen Hurts is getting uh, tons of negative feedback after tonight. But, I mean, what kind of offense – if Jeffrey Lurie wasn't involved, what kind of offense would Jalen Hurts thrive in? And is it possible to achieve with this Eagles offense, current Eagles offense under Nick Sirianni? Well, I think this is the offense he would thrive in. And you've seen him put up some pretty big numbers at times. Now, it hasn't been great this week at, at all. Mm. It's only been four days. So, But if you look at his numbers overall, they're pretty good. Uh, and he would continue to grow in this type of offense and he would continue to get better if you went all in and said, okay, we're going to build our offense around what this kid does. Well, uh, you can do that. Um, and maybe somebody like Lamar Jackson, because he's such a, 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 a sort of generational athlete, maybe, maybe Jeffrey Lurie would rethink his position, but he wants to be Kansas city. He wants to be, um, he wants to be Dallas. He wants to be Tampa Bay. He, he wants to be Tampa Bay. He wants to be able to just go up and down the field at will, throw the football at any time, have playmakers all over the place. That's what he thinks you need to have to be successful consistently in the NFL. It's easier said than done, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, I don't disagree with him. It's much the margin of error. You could win a lot of different ways, but the margin of error gets smaller if you try to play the way the Eagles are trying to play. Um, and he doesn't like it. And I don't think he's ever going to like it. So, so, so basically, the coach has been put in a bad situation because he's come into a situation where he doesn't have the talent. Um, he, he, he decided to get his first head coaching job in a transitional hurricane so to speak, in a lot of ways. And he has to be diplomatic because not only is the fan base and the media in this region listening to everything that he says, but also, let's say it doesn't work out here in a couple of years. It could affect his job status somewhere else in the league. You know, so he's been given, I don't, I don't want to use the word a mess, but it's basically disjointed right now. And I think both him and Gannon are saying all the right things without incriminating anybody. No, I agree. It's, it's a really dip, difficult situation. And, and, you know, you've covered this league for a long time, uh, yeah. D-Gun. So, you know, when 
GMs, forget about the owner, but you talk about GMs and coaches. They're on the same page when you're a contender. Right. Uh, GMs, Howie Roseman has to think about uh, not only uh, 2021, but 2022 and moving forward in 2023. Nick Sirianni's just worried about, you know, beating uh, Tampa Bay tonight. He's worried right. about after the after the mini buy and going out and beating Las Vegas. That's what he's focused on. So they're not on the same page and you're never on the same page until you're a contender. And then everybody's fighting uh, for the same thing in the championship. So right now you have Nick Sirianni trying to build an offense around a quarterback he has. And I think he's built it around the quarterback he has. I think that's a strength, believe it or not, mm -hmm. uh, of him as a coach. And he's pointed to this pretty consistently. Indianapolis, because of what happened with Andrew Luck, and and then they had to go out and, and live a year with Jacoby Brissett, and then they went out and got Phillip Rivers. They had three different offenses in three years. So he's proven he will build an offense around the quarterback he has at that particular time. If Jalen Hurts were to sprain his ankle and not be able to play in Las Vegas – they'd have a completely different offense with Joe Flacco out there. Mm -hmm. Completely. It would be play action, like you saw from Tom Brady, and, and the big statuesque pocket quarterback. It would be completely, completely different. Um, and that's where you get into the philosophical part of uh, what does Jeffrey Lurie want. Um, I think we all know what he wants, and it's not this. Bottom line, it's not this. Yeah, I think I think I, we all agree. We, we we'd like to see something a little bit better than what we're seeing right now, and personnel certainly has a lot to do with that. On the defensive side of the ball, though, John, um, was the defense making adjustments? Did the Bucks just take their foot off the pedal? What happened in the second half? Because it looked like Jonathan Gannon. I I, I had even said during the game, just don't be the worst. It was the worst defense you could have faced against the Kansas City. They took they took full advantage of this uh, defense. Same thing against Dallas. Same thing. Uh, earlier in the year as well uh, against another team that uh, had their way with them. So I'm losing Kansas my mind City. right now. Kansas Dallas. City, thank you. Yeah, Dallas, Kansas City. This was a game I said, just don't be the worst. Don't be the worst defense that they faced. And they actually played a much better second half. Was that more of what the Eagles did or was that less of what Tampa was doing? No, I, I well, I don't think they played well, but uh, I don't think you expected them to play well. If you if you think about what happened in Carolina, they were able to dominate that offensive line, which is a bad offensive line to begin with, uh, and they were down two starters because of injury. Here you come in Tampa Bay as one of the best offensive lines mm -hmm. in the NFL, so it was strength versus strength. Um, and it's not that the defensive line played poorly, but they weren't going to be – able to dominate against that front and when they don't dominate that means that back seven is exposed uh particularly the linebackers um i was just downstairs obviously uh in the locker room and i think leonard fournette was just bouncing off a linebacker again i mean he, he had so many years yards after contact it was ridiculous uh how many tackles Jonathan Gannon is is up against it from a personnel standpoint, especially at linebacker. Now, I think Slay's had a good year. I think Steven Nelson, these are the best pair of corners uh, they've had in a while. Uh, the safeties are, are 
struggling. Anthony Harris got banged up, uh, was able to come back in, have the interception. Uh, they play too much zone. Uh, on the on the key play of the game, uh, they did throw dime defense out there, so everybody's going to be excited about that, and they gave it up anyway. So uh, they're probably not going to like that part of it. Uh, it it's it, They're going to struggle against good offenses. I mean, they're just going to struggle um, from both aspects. They can't keep up with them from an offensive side of the football. Uh, and they're going to have to play too deep or, or uh, a lot of quarters coverage, a lot of zone coverage um, to try to limit the big plays. And by the way, they've limited big plays pretty well this entire season, right. but they can't get off the field on third down. And they give up these long drives and, you know, they're on the field forever, 40 minutes to 20 minutes, basically. So it, it's, we always talk about complementary football. The offense is not helping the defense by extending drives, staying on the field. Uh, the defense is not helping the offense by giving him more opportunities by getting off the field. Uh, they're just not ready to compete with the better teams in this league, and you saw it. You, you saw the three teams, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, Dallas. They're not ready to compete with those teams. I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did BJ say, by the way? What was what? He's the most positive guy in the world. How did oh. he, said, he said the Eagles are going to the playoffs? <laughs> oh, I love BJ. Same uh, here. Uh, yep. but, but John, yep. I, I do. I will also pass along. He also acknowledged that Jonathan Gannon doesn't have the personnel mm -hmm. to do some of the things that he wants to do as a defensive coordinator, which yep. I was flat out shocked. I mean, like, like he's not wrong at all, no. but it's just wildly rare that you hear anyone ever, any player ever acknowledge that. Wow. Yeah. I'm surprised. I'm surprised to hear that. Just like I was surprised with Nick Sirianni saying, yeah, we have too much unscripted stuff. Uh, you're getting a lot of truth today. And I think that's born out of frustration. Mm. Um, but it's obvious, and sometimes when certain things are so obvious, you just forget it and admit it and let your guard down. Well, real quick, you, you, you were at the press conference uh, earlier in the week where Nick Sirianni said that he's going to take this week, meaning after this game against the Bucks, to do a lot of self-evaluating. If you're sitting next to him, John, what, what's the advice you're giving him? Hey, maybe do this, maybe do that. Like, what, what do you think he needs to do as a play caller and a head coach? I think we need more bubble screens. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I, it's interesting. I, I, I do not criticize Nick Sirianni for the offense he has built around this particular quarterback. Um, I would like to see it expand as we continue to go throughout the season, but you saw some of the accuracy issues when they're trying to throw the ball in a conventional fashion. Look at the other side of the football. Look at the play action. I mean, you can accomplish mm -hmm. a lot of what you're doing with RPOs with the play action and have in theory, a much better chance to get the football down, down the field. But the quarterback is not comfortable doing it. The quarterback is not good at doing it. So I think people misconstrue what Nick Sirianni is trying to do and say, 
why doesn't he do that? Why doesn't he do what Tom Brady's doing? Well, I think the answer should be obvious to fans on, mm-hmm. on social media. And that's not a criticism of Jalen Hurts. That's right. the greatest quarterback of all time um, on the other side of the football. It, it, you would love, Nick Sirianni would love to be able to do what Tampa Bay is able to do on the offensive side of the football. He can't. He can't. And it be, and, and when Jalen Hurts does um, – and, and he does on occasion uh, throw nice passes and throws accurate passes. You know, it just might be Jalen Rager on the other side dropping it. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, other than Devontae Smith, and remember Dallas Goddard wasn't in this game on the COVID list. Um, so other than Devontae and Zach Ertz, even Quez Watkins let Jalen Hurts down on that interception, which – wasn't a great throw, but he jumped too early. He misjudged it. Um, said he was trying to knock it down. Uh, should have done a better job. It was a 50-50 ball, and it turned into a uh, a 90-10 ball for the defense. Mm-hmm. When we were talking to Brandon Graham, uh, he also kind of, he didn't fully blame it, but he did mention uh, the offensive line, guys being out, obviously being a factor in the lack of run game, but. I know we touched on this last week, but having two games under our belt with these musical chairs on our O-line, um, do you think the Mylotta switch to the right side is still working? Yeah, I mean, I think Jordan will get better and better at it. He, he's, uh, he's admitted he's got to get used to it, used to the body mechanics and changing sides. So I, I don't really concern myself on that as much as um, – Andre Dillard finally uh, had a rough day, I think. Have to look mm. at the film completely. But, I mean, he, he got kind of a break in the fact that Demarcus Lawrence was out in Dallas. Frank Clark was out with Kansas City. Uh, but then he played pretty well against a good player in Brian Burns and Carolina. I thought Shaq Barrett gave him a lot of headaches. JPP, and, and they flipped those guys, and they do a lot of different things. And Jalen Hurts did an amazing job. I think they only had two sacks. They should have had about eight sacks. That's what I said. Absolutely. I mean, they were just all over him pretty consistently. I don't think Andre played well uh, today. But that's a really good front. That's a really good defensive front. Anybody who watched the Super Bowl knows how good Shaq Barrett is. So, um, I I think they're, they're putting their best five they have available. I, I think the hope is Lane Johnson will return at some point and mm-hmm. they can put him in right tackle and put Jordan back at left tackle. But until that happens, if it happens, I think this is their best uh, case scenario. And by the way, they you, you saw in Carolina last week, I just said, I mean, they lost two starters and they were just devastated. The Eagles at least are able to put some competency out there. And I think Jeff Stoutman uh, deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, John, what are you doing Sunday? Uh, good question. I'm going. I'm going to see the new James Bond movie on Saturday. Oh, I will, no. I will probably just watch football without <laughs> the stress of having to cover football on Sunday. Understood. Well, good fun. for you. Nobody's earned it more than you, my friend. John McMullen, thanks so much for joining us as always, man. All right, thank you.
Thank you. John McMullen joining us uh, right there from the stadium presented by Mesa Law and Associates. Need a tough injury lawyer called Mesa and Associates. More live post-game show when we return. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Yo, okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> don't forget to check out Jacob Media, the YouTube channel, tomorrow morning for Birds 365 with Jody Mack and Johnny Mack, brought to you by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Gunner, how you feeling, buddy? I'm just happy to be here. All right, now. Devin, I should not I mean, be laughing this hard. No, 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 no. We need a little ha ha. Yeah, moment, I think moment. I think it's like all like the stress of watching that game and guys in the comments, you're cracking me up. Deegan, uh, they think that you're sleeping. Do you want to debunk this? Like, you- they think I'm sleeping. Yeah, yeah. Do they really? They think you're nodding off a little bit. Are you nodding no, off a little bit? I defended not. you. I defended I'm sit- you. I'm sitting said- looking at stats. I'm looking at two different screens here. See that? I'm trying. <laughs> No, 
I'm yeah. actually not. I said you were reading your phone. Yeah, I was. That I, too. That's you know what? I'm glad this is I'm glad this is happening. Not that you're yeah. not sleeping or anything, but I just I'm glad I'm glad this is happening because I feel bad. Like my eyes are always moving during the show because I got Look. sponsors and I got other things. I, I'm following something over here, which is our our chat during the show for right. like things that we gotta talk about, things that are coming up next, whatever it might be. Right. So I'm as I'm hitting it. It go, I know it goes to your phone as well. So this is a little behind the scenes tour for everybody. Yeah. I, I'm thinking you're just reading, you know, what we're typing. I got throughout throughout the show. I have people texting me, dude, what's going on? What can you tell me? I'm like, hey, I'm busy right now. And then I'm looking at social media. So I'm trying to keep the phone out of the screen, trying to be somewhat <laughs> professional. So yes, I'm looking down at the phone like this. Yes. So I got caught. All right, fine. Fine, you caught me. What do you want me to do? I almost lost it during when, when we had John McMullen on because that's when I first saw the comments and I looked up and it yeah. did look like you were sleeping no. for like a good while there, for like a good serious? chunk of like 15 seconds. And then you like popped up and started talking and I was really trying not to laugh. So also now I'm getting accused of being tired or faded. I'm not. I'm just what? I'm just delirious from the stress, I think. You know no, what? Next, no. next, I'm, I'm, next. My hands on a swivel. I'm down the phone. You know what? I'm just gonna tell people to stop texting me. I'm not gonna talk to people anymore. You know, fine. fine. No. I mean, you know what? That's it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Next with it. uh next billboard we do. Next billboard. You know, this is pretty much what we have on the billboard. I have it right here. Right, Maybe right, we'll right. just do like Gunner with his eyes closed on the next one. Maybe no. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, keep them coming, chat. You guys are awesome in yeah. the chat. We're looking at the. You guys are watching on the Jacob Media YouTube channel as well as six abc.com. We appreciate you guys uh, joining us uh, and being along for the ride, uh, despite the fact that it was not exactly the best Eagles game in the world, but they did make it a game late. Now I want to. Hey. If, 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 oh, go hey. ahead, Gunner. I just now saw the text from Devin. Hey, Gunner, are you? <laughs> Wake over there. <laughs> what? Are you serious? <laughs> we have fun. We have fun on this oh program. <laughs> yeah, thanks for ignoring my text. It's fine. <laughs> uh, if you I, saw uh, how many people are texting me right now, even former players, you say, oh, okay, I get it. I wasn't ignoring okay. you. I'm just we got it. You're a big up. deal. You've got players. Oh, you know what? That's you. it. That's I it. I'm done. I'm, done. I'm done with this. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not saying another word the rest of the show. I'm going back to sleep. Um, let me let me just ask let me just ask okay. this question. Mm -hmm. Let me just ask yeah. this question. Mm -hmm. Gunner, are you with? I'm just kidding. Okay, so um, <laughs> uh, I want to I rip something, and I and I and I feel like anytime we rip this one particular thing, people are like, "Shut up, Homer!" And it's when I watch a football game, I like to know that I'm watching a game that is properly officiated. All right. right. And I did not expect the Eagles to win this game, so don't give me the, ah, what's it matter? Well, you never know what can happen in a game. All of a sudden, the Eagles are down six points. You know, you blink and that happens. I thought I had an idea of what pass interference was in the NFL. Nope. The, nope. the non-call for pass interference in the back of the end zone, Jalen Hurts scrambled for a touchdown the very next play, I believe it was. So, whatever. Then it ended up really hurting them. It was the definition of pass interference. Defensive back, back to the play, making contact with the wide receiver, trying to catch a ball, no call. There was another play where I thought Jalen Rager's arm was pinned down. He ended up dropping the football. I think he should, still could have made the play, but still no call. Another play where I, I it was either Rager or Watkins. I get them both confused all the time, like I did with Jeremy Macklin and Deshaun Jackson a million years ago. 
But he, a guy's on his back, and there's still no pass interference call. I, I It's not why they lost. It's, I'm not making that excuse or anything like that. I'm just saying the referee, the officiating in this game was abysmal. And the fact that you took, I think in real time, nine minutes – to review a play you you then yeah. overturned because it was indisputable when you spent nine minutes disputing it? Unbelievable to me. It was so un- – it was terrible. And we've seen bad officiating. This game was – look, the Eagles were, were bad, the, the bottom line. But just to try to watch it, just as a football fan, I was offended at how terrible the officiating was in this game. Um, Tampa Bay gets away with more pass interference calls <laughs> than any other team in the National Football League. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's it's unbelievable. And this has been going on for a couple of years now. I don't know whose pocket they're, 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 they're filling with extra cash, but it's, it's so blatant a lot of times. It's amazing. But in a general sense, I've lost track of what pass interference is or isn't for the last five, six years. Ever since they've changed the rule now, I don't know what it is, and I don't think the referees uh, know what it is either. But they get the film tape week in and week out. They study these tapes. Uh, some of them are reprimanded for a cause or lack thereof, and this stuff keeps happening across the National Football League. And I don't, I don't understand how you're going to fix it, fix it in the current state, the way the game is being played right now. I just, I really don't. I just don't understand it. I, just, what, I, I understand the rule to be the ball can touch the ground as long as you don't use the ground to secure the ball. Right. I, I thought that's what it was. And right. I thought, I think it was Epps that came in on the play. It was Epps that came in on the play. And I love Pereira, uh, Mike Pereira's analysis of the play. Well, as you can see, the ball is between his hands. And I'm what like, is, what are you supposed to catch the ball? What is it like? Yeah. What? What do you mean the with, ball's between your with, hands? With, flip, with flippers? What are you, <laughs> what are you, what the hell, what are you talking about? Anyway. I don't even know what taunting is anymore. The Gennard Avery, Avery penalty. Yeah. I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. If that's all he did, now maybe he said something we obviously couldn't hear. Right. Which constitutes mm-hmm. taunting. But when you're just looking at it from a visual sense of the game, you're thinking, okay, he didn't hit the guy. He didn't spit at the guy. He didn't nudge him. He just got in his face as players do. They get in each other, other's faces all the time after big plays, and they, you know, they're jaw jacking back and forth, you know, for uh, uh, play in and play out. If that's it, that's what you call taunting now. I, I, so I, 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 there's a lot of things I'm lost with in this game. Fournette, Fournette, and Alex Singleton throughout the game were jawing at each other. Right. I, my only, right. my only guess is the the referee threw the flag on that particular play. Because there was contact that I thought was initiated by Fournette, because right, Fournette right. jumped up and got in the face of Avery as Avery was saying something to him. But like of all the times to throw a flag, that's the time you're going to throw a flag towards the exactly. end of a game when another team pivotal. has finally gotten back into yeah. it. And that, that was pivotal. That was pivotal in that game. It really that was a big turning point in the game yeah. in terms of, of swinging momentum back in favor of Tampa Bay. And sure enough, they they got the necessary plays and ran out the clock. It's unfortunate. It happens. Hopefully they learn from it and move on. But then we've been saying that every week. Learn from it and move on. Learn from it and move on. Mm -hmm. We're going to continue to say it because we're going to have players that have dumb physical penalties, dumb mental mistakes. And and it's going to – if you notice the number of penalties, the numbers are going down in terms of overall penalties. But now it's just the, the most inopportune time uh, when penalties occur for this team. So they've kind of smoothed out, you know, the abundance of penalties. Now we have to get them to a point where 
you have to be a little bit smarter in certain situations, especially critical situations when the balance of a game is in a, in a, is hanging in a balance of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and it, but it's unfortunate so. because that wasn't the the Gerard taunting penalty wasn't even like a dumb Derek Barnett like are you no, serious no, penalty? No, it was just no. like what even a smart player could have gotten that. So right. it's just you can't do anything about that. It's super frustrating to watch. But yeah. Yeah, now now you enter the chat, uh, referees. Now you're going to be a part of this <laughs> yeah, game. Right? Thanks. <laughs> nice to see you. Um, we've, we've, we've highlighted a lot of the negative stuff that the Eagles done because there was certainly a long list of that. What 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 was in this game that you want to take out? I always I ask this question every week. But what's something you want to see taken away from this game and applied you know, for the rest of the season? I think the one that's obvious for me is you ran the football well in the second half. Mm-hmm. You ran the football more, I think, on one drive then the Buccaneers allow in a game on average. Mm-hmm. So at one point it worked. And I know people, the people that always argue against the run, like, oh, it doesn't matter all that much, whatever. Yeah. I think when you watch this game play out, you see the exact reason why you can never either abandon or ignore the run. It's because right. it, it only takes one or two to make the defense really start thinking about it. And if mm-hmm. you hear from an offensive lineman like Jordan Mailata, year from Nick Sirianni after the game people are hitting us up in the chat saying on the NFL network when they were breaking down everything that was happening after this game and saying how predictable this offense was well then guess what maybe switch it up a little bit and you know how you switch it up not with an RPO because even if you're running a run pass option you're still running a run pass option time and time again mm-hmm. that's why I don't think it's a horrible idea to every once in a while put your quarterback under center turn around hand the ball to a running back into the full head of steam and go between the tackles or try to bounce it outside or try to do something that's not the exact same thing every time. This is not what we talked about time and time again in the latter stages of the Andy Reid career here in Philadelphia about being predictable. I remember Tiki Barber sitting back in studio during a Sunday night game calling the play as the play was happening as they played the New York Giants. I, I, I can remember going back to Chip Kelly. Same thing gets said. Predictable. This is getting predictable. It started to put its ugly head in there with Doug Peterson as well. And now we're hearing about an un- a very predictable offense in what the sixth career game of Nick Sirianni as a head coach and play caller. If that's mm. not worrisome, I don't know what is. Then I said we're going to do something negative. Oh, I'm sorry. I said I, said I was going to yeah. be positive. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. You, you, threw, you threw me off. But then yeah. It, it went backwards. Ah, uh, damn it. Sorry. Scoozy. <laughs> Can you think of it? What, what was the positive? Did it get lost in the message or, or do we need to think on it yeah. for a second? No, I'm no, struggling. I, yeah. I'm struggling to think of a positive. No, Zach Ertz got open. Zach Ertz got open. Oh, my goodness. Uh, sure, no, yeah. here, here's the positive. This team could have very well laid down after being down 28-7. Nothing's going right for them. It's, it was the same way in the Carolina game. So what I've liked about this team in a span of five days is they're not going to quit. No matter how bad it gets, they're not going to quit. And even if it does turn out ugly, they're not going to quit. You have a lot of young guys who are playing for their futures in the National Football League, trying to impress a new head coach, uh, trying to earn money. There are players that are now going to be on the market possibly after this season. There are players that are thinking in terms of money down the road, Dallas Goddard, um, you know, D- Derek Barnett, players like that. Um, but I will I will give them credit for the ability to fight no matter how bad a situation seems. They were able to overcome their deficiencies last week against Carolina, not so much this week. It could have been 45 nothing. You could have had another game like 
Tampa Bay just Tampa Bay just played against Miami, where it was 45-17. You could have had that. But the team made it interesting. And you're right. One or two plays could have swung either way for the Eagles. And, you know, like Brandon Graham said, you we could have been talking about a 29-28 win instead of a 28-22 loss. You know, mm-hmm. but such, such was not the case. So I'm going to give them props in that regard that this team's going to go down swinging no matter what. No matter how bleak it looks, they're going to they're go down swinging. And you know what? I, that, that is a positive, and I have to give props to Jalen Hurts on that. I know he's getting a lot of negative commentary after this game. People are saying, you know, he's not the guy. We love to jump right. to conclusions uh, after every single game. If he has a good game next week, then he will be the franchise QB. You never know. But uh, I like, and I've said this from week one, I like that he doesn't get rattled and he doesn't give up. Like, I think if Carson Wentz was in that situation, he absolutely would have given up. We saw him do it time and time again. Um, And I think Jalen Hurts, we've heard players talk about him and how resilient he Mm -hmm. is. And Mark, you, I always go back to to what you said, where he's mentally on steroids. So mentally strong, doesn't get rattled. And, I think that's really important, and we see that in these comeback games. We didn't win to get today, but um, we we still made it pretty close. When I think under many other quarterbacks, that would not have been the case. So mm. I have to give credit to Jalen Hurts where yeah. credit's due. I'll, I'll say this: even when I watch throws that he'll miss, and and certainly I've I've said enough times already, thirty five percent completion percentage in the first half is is bad. It's terrible. It's bad. Yeah. But he's ridiculously easy to root for. Like I pull mm-hmm. for Jalen. I want Jalen Hurts. I want him to take the reins to be the guy that's going to be here for 10 years, 15 years, because I want that mentality. I want that mindset as a quarterback here Mm -hmm. in Philadelphia. And plus, you always want to believe that the starting quarterback in the future is always already on your roster. You don't have Mm -hmm. to go acquire him. You don't want to trade for him. You already got him. With that being said. Here we go. No, 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 no. This is going to be a positive on Jalen Hurts. Okay. I I expect a guy like Jalen Hurts. What are we on now? Eighth career start? Is that where we're at right now with him? Ninth, uh, nine, ninth, yeah. ninth, nine career starts in to miss a couple of throws here and there. Nick Sirianni as a head coach and play caller has to be a lot more prepared for the games mm. that he's going into and can't continuously, even as he admitted after the game, we've highlighted on the show before here, talking about how you have so much unscripted stuff, be your best stuff in a game. That shouldn't mm. happen because that stuff is reactionary. The stuff that happens early in a game, where you have the 15 scripted plays, where you have, you know, however, give or take a few 15 scripted plays, where you're not able to put up points early, where you're not able to have success, where you're not running the football, where you're not finding that balance, that that's a little bit more worrisome. Because really what mm-hmm. you're relying on later in the game is your players making plays, which ultimately is what's going to win and lose your games. But getting them started off on the right foot, <clears throat> that can be a huge difference maker as well. So if Nick Sirianni actually does a, a better job of putting his quarterback in a better position to make plays – then maybe we'll have a little bit of a different story here when it comes to this Eagles offense and how they come out early in football games. Hey, they actually ran a good play early in this game. When when they actually ran that play to Zach Ertz that they they executed properly with the little rubber mm-hmm. out there with Devontae Smith and Zach Ertz coming off the line, that was perfect. Hey, good job, mm-hmm. Nick Sirianni. You made a great play call in the red zone. It was executed well by a rookie wide receiver, as John McMullen so eloquently pointed out. <laughs> but where's the rest of that? Where's the rest yeah. of it? You're leaving a lot of meat on the bone as far as that stuff goes. And that's what concerns me. So the positive I'm taking out of this is that if I'm worried about one or the other more, I'm still a lot more worried about Nick Sirianni as a head coach and play caller than I, than I am as Jalen Hurts as a as mm-hmm. a quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I fully, I fully agree with that. And it's all like, I was wondering, cause Jalen Hurts gets a lot of the blame. I know Nick Sirianni is under fire, but mainly for just not running the ball. But I think when people criticize Jalen Hurts, it's important to, to kind of realize that Nick Sirianni isn't doing this guy any favors. Like he's like Degan, you said he's running for his life every oh, play. And, and I feel that I don't want to say I feel bad for him because like he'll be fine, but I do feel for him because he's under so much pressure and he's not getting any help whatsoever from the play calling or his coaches. So uh, again, it just comes back to, to Nick Sirianni making adjustments and we haven't seen that yet. So maybe we'll see it throughout the rest of the season. Who knows? For, for me, the, the one thing to watch is it's not now, but down the road is, is Jalen Hurts the type of quarterback Nick Sirianni wants to run his type of offense, which we believe is a handcuffed offense right now because he doesn't have all the pieces that he wants to run it. And, you know, we talk about Jalen Hurts being a great athlete playing quarterback, but it's in, in Nick Sirianni's mind, is he the quarterback with the type of skills that he wants to run his offense in year number two when we, when we assume the offense is going to be more expansive uh, in terms of those players who are holdovers being more comfortable with the scheme that Nick Sirianni uh, wants to run. That that remains to be seen. And, of course, you can't overlook the fact with the abundance of uh, assets this Eagles team will have in the offseason, off will they jump at the possibility of trading for a, a proven quarterback um, in offseason? So there's a lot to take in as we continue to watch this team and follow this team and, and ache with this team throughout the course of this season in terms of what this team is going to look like come next spring. Hmm. And, hey, what they could look like in 10 days when they travel to Vegas to take right. on the Raiders, right. who are, I don't know if you guys heard, are going through some turmoil. Oh, uh, yeah. we'll, talk, we'll talk about that in a second. I do want to let people know that we are brought to you exclusively by the great people of Ocean Casino. Book your next weekend at Ocean Casino and go for the win. Uh, closing statements when we return here on live post game show. I'm gonna go. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
when it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. The live post-game show is powered by IBEW Local 98. Go for the midnight cares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to live post game show. Mark Farzetta, Derek on Devin Caney with you. Brandon Graham joined the show earlier. John McMullen joined from the stadium as well. Uh, don't forget, we're fueled by the great people of Stateside Vodka. See the scroll below. Use the code Jacob. That's J A K I B for fifteen percent off a one liter bottle. Go to statesidevodka.com. Uh, Gunner, now everyone in the chat is telling you to calm the hell down. So just calm down. <laughs> you know what? No comment. I no made comment. that up. I made that. I made that up anyway. All right, no comment. Um, so uh, we were we were talking about some positivity. Uh, how about this? Not that I we need to delve too much into the the Gruden embarrassment fiasco and just awful stuff there, but you are looking at a team in turmoil. Teams in turmoil, they either rise to the occasion and rally behind their new head coach and all the adversity there, or they crumble and fall apart. Uh, Gunner, when looking at this Raiders team going forward as you play them in 10 days, the Eagles play them in 10 days, what do you see? Do you see a team that will rally behind the adversity or a team that would be on the more side of uh, trying to figure it out still? You're a paid professional. You're paid to play the game. Um, I think it'll be a little bit discombobulated this Sunday when they play the football game, but I think win, lose, or draw, it will iron itself out and they'll get back to playing football. It's still a hot topic right now. So they're going to be constantly asked about it between now and Sunday. And after Sunday is more about football. I wish we were playing the Raiders this Sunday instead of 10 days from now, you know, uh, you know, to maybe catch them off their game a little bit, but um, they'll get back to normal. I mean, it's not like these players individually and collectively across the league don't go through adversity at some time or, or another. Um, it's a distraction right now. It's going to subside eventually. And, and, and we'll get back to doing what they're supposed to do. All right. Well, uh, let's hope for that uh, that whole uh, distraction thing. You know, they don't play good football. <laughs> and you know what? They are a beatable team. We right. we have seen them certainly, even with John Gruden, and even when they were at their best, right. and they were t- certainly taking another step forward in the Gruden era this year. And uh, looking at a guy like Derek Carr, he had he was having his in the midst of his best season. They are a beatable team, and I think if the Eagles continue to play this way, and Gunner, honestly, it's going to be my major takeaway from not only this game but from this show. Right. And it'll make me look forward to what could happen in the next 10 days. Even with all the negativity I've spewed. And negativity or just being real. You decide. Mm-hmm. But 
Uh, as far as what you could see in 10 days, the fact that this team did not quit again, right. Right. no matter how bad things were going in the early portions of this game, right. they kept on fighting and they found a way to be in a spot. Look, if you want real optimism here, if you want to take away some positives, you look at the game against Kansas City Chiefs. Let's not forget they were five, They were down five points in that fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. Did it ever feel like it was even that close? No, of course not. No, but no. still, anything can happen in that fourth quarter. If you're down five points, any mistake, and we've certainly seen the Kansas City Chiefs make their fair share of mistakes this year, anything can happen when you're down five points like that. When you go into a fourth quarter like this against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and you found yourself within striking distance, Mm -hmm. that's a, that's at least a good thing. No moral victories, but you can certainly look at a couple of positives, the fact that they did not Absolutely. quit in any of those games. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree with you more. And that's what they're going to have to build on right now. You know, they're going to have to rally around each other. You know, the, losing breeds frustration. Losing also breeds players start whispering, you know, under their breaths to people that shouldn't hear certain things. And then all of a sudden it becomes public. And then all of a sudden, when it's retold, it's retold five or six different ways. And then all of a sudden, players are looking around like, who can I not trust in his locker room as a teammate? That's the last thing you need, especially when you're going through hard times. So this team, the, the elder statesmen on this team are going to have to make sure they stay on top of keeping these players focused, you know, staying on the grind. You know what? It's going to get better. We're not that far off. That's going to have to be their battle cry for, for quite some time now. It's going to work out sometime for them, but at other times it's not going to work out for them. So it, it, we're going to find out exactly what these guys are in the days and weeks to come and how, how much closer and unified they become in the face of adversity. Hmm. Well, those are positives. I, I still don't have a lot of – I don't have a lot of confidence in the early play calling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how can you? Like, in all seriousness, you, you, you watch this team – Oh, and like dude. they continuously say, we got to learn from it. We got to be better. Hey, you know what? Here's the optimistic part then. The self evaluating that I've referenced a couple of different times already regarding Nick Sirianni and what this team does next and what he does as a head coach and play caller next. Maybe the next, I don't know, however many days, maybe the next, uh, what, three days, four days before you start really getting ready for the Raiders. Right. Maybe this will be the time where Nick Sirianni looks in the mirror. And, and really has an honest conversation with himself. Maybe Jonathan Gannon has some stern words for Nick Sirianni. Maybe his offense, maybe his uh, team leaders will come in there and have some ideas as well so they could all reflect upon what they could do better during this uh, the layoff period as they have the long week before they get ready for the Raiders. Well, maybe, maybe that'll be when they turn it around. Yeah. Hypothetical situation that I've seen brought up in the comments like throughout this entire show. What would happen if we – this is hypothetical, just saying – roll up to Vegas and our offensive coordinator is calling the plays. Nick Sirianni has given up all rights to call plays. Do you think all of a sudden our offense starts performing? Uh, I mean, just, I, I'm just trying to figure out how much of it is the play calling versus Oof. lack of talent. I, I would, I would, th I mean, Gunner, I, I, I think mean, it's equal. I think it's equal. I think you don't have the personnel you really want to do certain things with. And again, I can't emphasize it enough. It starts with the offensive line. You're asking, you know, you're asking a bunch of guys who are still getting used to each other um, to, to, to get it right, you know, and, and it's not. People think it's going to happen in a game or two. No, sometimes it doesn't. It takes a while to get their unity down, not just in practices, but in game situations as well. I, think it's, I do think it's a, it's a fair share combination of the two. Um, 
you know, if Nick Sirianni feels that somebody else can do a better job, then so be it. But I don't necessarily believe that someone else, you know, he may call a few more running plays out of the gate, okay, try to balance it out a little bit more, okay. Does it mean the end results are going to be better? Maybe not. And then you're going to have people just as frustrated. Okay, mm-hmm. so we ran the ball 25 times instead of five times in a game, but the end result is we still lost the game. So is the play calling any better? No, because the end results, no matter how pretty or ugly it is, is the W over the L. Man, I I, uh, I do think it would be very similar in terms of the, the output, in terms of what your offense is doing, even if it goes to Shane Steichen, because let's face it, I think Nick Sirianni brought Shane Steichen in because they think alike. The other part of that is I just don't see it happening that he would surrender the play calling because let's think about that for a second. If you're a head coach and you're interviewing for this job, what are you telling Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman? You're going to call your own plays, right? And then all of a sudden you're saying thanks, but no thanks to that opportunity. Man, that's the first admission that you're in over your head if that's what you're doing as a head coach or play caller saying, oh, no, I can't do this. I think he is in over his head. I think every single game Nick Sirianni has been outmatched by the other team's coach. I think that's the biggest issue that I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. But I, oh, is, I agree. Is that solved by giving it to to someone else? Probably not because they've all coached before. They're all rookie head coaches, right? I think that's also the issue. There's no – and we've discussed this on the show before. There's no leader on the coaching staff or really on the players. I know Jalen Hurts, quarterback, is always just a natural leader of a team, but – I, I still just feel like that's it's almost like uh, a, a company, but everyone's an entry level employee and they're kind of all searching for the boss. Uh, you know what? I got mm. an idea. I got an idea. Uh, mm. And I like it for two reasons. Uh, one, the guy's got experience. Two, he's got the greatest oh. name in football, Jim Bob Cooter. Bring in Jim Bob Cooter. He's right now a consultant on the offensive staff, helping out, all that stuff. Nick yep. Sirianni has said he's gone to him for advice already. Jim Bob Cooter. People know him in Philadelphia. He beat the the brakes off the Eagles on a Thanksgiving Day game in Detroit. Gunner, you'll appreciate this. I was sitting in Green Bay, Wisconsin at a bar watching right. that game. But right. Jim Bob Cooter was just picking this team apart. Maybe he's the guy who needs to call the plays next. But, again, if you're Nick Sirianni and you're coming into this job and you're saying, yeah, you know what, maybe this whole play calling thing really isn't for me. Um, and he's got to be more of a, what, like a Mike Tomlin or a Jason Garrett type guy that's not calling plays. And that's the only right. time I'll ever talk about those two guys in the same sentence. But if you're not calling plays, then what is it you say you do here exactly? Hmm. It's a lot to ponder. Uh, we're going to see what happens. And yeah. we got 10 days to do it. Yeah. And I don't think – I'm, hope, I'm hoping there's more imagination and more creativity in the play calling 10 days from now. I don't know if it will be, but if the coach is honest with himself, as he says, it starts with him, and he has this ex- this extended time now to sit down and analyze himself. If that is the case, okay, I expect to see uh, more fluidity in the offense come 10 days from now, more creativity and more balance in this offense. Because, you know, I'm at a point, like a lot of people are now, um, what he's saying is, is is basically falling on deaf ears. So I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt now. You have an extended period of time to thoroughly sit down and analyze and to look at your offensive play calling, your strategy in certain situations. Based upon the the personnel that I have at my disposal right now, how can I enhance this and make the overall product that much better? That's what I want to see from Nick Sirianni 10 days from now. 
All right. I'll, I'll be rooting for that one. Devin, 10 days. First off, I'm going to miss you guys. Second, no. uh, what, what, are you, what are you looking at? What are you looking for in 10 days? I'm looking for, I mean, kind of everything that we've mentioned wrapped up into one, starting with Nick Sirianni. I want to see him have a competent game plan. I want our offense to have a flow and a rhythm, which we haven't done. I want to get ahead in the first quarter, not the fourth quarter. Uh, And I'd like our defense to, you know, work. That's a simple ask. Just overall, you know, don't let the other team's offense slice through you like your hot Mm -hmm. butter. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are all pretty big asks. But mm. I, uh, pretty big what asks. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought you Requests. said, something. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah, no, I did not just curse on the stream. Sorry, guys, but I could. It's not NBC, so right. Yeah, there you go. He needs to go to bed. I'm up every night until 3 3 30 every night. I every thought he night. went to bed 20 minutes what? ago. What the hell? Yeah, 20 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, uh, here's, I think here's what I'm looking for. At this point. Yes. Here's what I'm looking for in 10 days. One, just to see you guys again, see the wonderful people in the comment section as well. Uh, uh, the other thing I'm looking for, the other thing I'm looking for is that self-evaluation to actually bear some fruit. And that doesn't mean come out against the Raiders and you have 10 plays and, and five of them are runs. Just recognize when your quarterback needs some help and then help him out. And have that be before you attempt to make any type of second-half adjustment. The major thing I'll be thinking about, and I'll go back and I'll laugh about in this game. Gunner, you mentioned er, mentioned it earlier, and I actually wrote it down in my notes. Third quarter, Miles Sanders comes out, gets a nice little run. I literally went to write down, oh, wow, they ran the ball. And then I heard an ovation, and I thought, did he break a tackle? Did I miss it? Is he in for a touchdown? And no, he just ran the ball, and the crowd right. went bonkers for it. Right. right. Just learn that learn that healthy balance. I, I don't. It doesn't have to be even 60-40. Excuse me, just something that helps out your quarterback settle in, helps the offense and the offensive line find a rhythm. Reflect on that, and then maybe we'll come out and we'll see this team play a much better version of this house for four quarters as opposed to just a quarter and a half at the end of a game. So that's what I'll cross my fingers for. Uh, Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, we're exclusively presented by the great people of Ocean Casino. Don't forget about Ocean Casino. Book your next weekend at Ocean Casino and go for the win. Gunner, Devin, pleasure as always. I'll see you guys in 10 days. For everyone that watched on 6abc.com as well as the Jacob Media YouTube channel, I'm Mark Farzetta for Devin Caney and Derek Gunn. We'll see you guys in 10 days. For the record, I'm- Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The live post game show is powered by IBEW Local 98.